Good morning. Did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? Okay, so that was fair to Midland for most of you. I asked a lady earlier in the service where Midland was, and she said it's about a half a mile from I don't know. And, uh, uh, well, I had a great Thanksgiving. I mean, we, we had a bunch of people over at the house, and I didn't cook anything. The food just magically appeared. I mean, my wife made two pies, and we're going to finish that off tonight. But, uh, yeah, the food just started showing up. It was great. It was wonderful. Uh, I, hope, I hope yours was, uh, was as good as mine. Uh, we're going to be talking about the promised land. This is really kind of, this is closing out uh, a short series on being rooted. And it may seem kind of strange that being rooted and promised land in that someplace you go. Well, yeah, it is, but there is a connect. And I'll try to put that together for you. Would you stand with me and let's read a passage from Hebrews chapter 11. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destituted, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life and the power uh, that is in your word. And I pray, Lord, that the, that the power of the Holy Spirit would rest upon each person here so that we might be quickened to what the word wants to do in us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Promised land. What a sweet, sweet concept. What a, what a, wonderful, what a wonderful idea. Uh, that is that is attached to those to those two words. You know, we're we're all called we're called as believers to give thanks. And this week we had a special day where we where we gave thanks. And, and well, we should. But that doesn't mean that living in a fallen world isn't rough. Actually, it can be downright hard. Um, nobody knows. The trouble I've seen. Yeah. Uh, somebody wrote that song, you know, and other people could identify with it. When I was, uh, when I was a, when I was a kid, uh, I was in this quartet and we were, it was, this wasn't with Wayne and, and Nelly, this was a Southern gospel quartet of kids. 
That's what we were. In fact, it was a, it was a mixed quartet. I, I was I was one of the guys, and then um, my friend Larry was another. And in fact, he's the guy who ended up being the general contractor on this building, and and Larry's sister, um, and then uh, this this gal Beverly, who was the the bossy girl at our church, and and the four of us would sing together. We'd go to these singings, and uh, and and. And people would come to, I mean, nobody, I don't even think they took up an offering or anything. I mean, you didn't get any money for this. You went to sign because you wanted people to hear you sign. And, and that's what we did. And our hit was uh, uh, <clears throat> looking for a city. How I many you know that song? <laughs> Here among the shadows living in a lonely land, we're a band of pilgrims on the move. Burdened down with sorrow, shunned on every hand, we're looking for a city built above. Whoop! Let me just tell you, it's good, don't you? Just feel the nice little doodads running up and down, whatever doodads are. Uh, I think they come from Midland, but uh, but Larry and I, neither one of us, our voices had changed yet. And and when you got to the when it came to the when it came to the chorus where it goes. Looking for a city. You know, if you got a real tenor that can really, well, let me tell you, 12 year old boy, whew, yeah, we could bring it. And, you know, and the house had kind of come down, but it was all about there's someplace better than this. Someplace better than this. Uh, but it's okay. It's okay because Paul tells us over in Corinthians, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. I mean, what what we see, this this is temporary, but on what we don't see because what is unseen is is eternal. And you could call that the promised land. And I want to talk about three things about the promised land today. The first one, we, we really have already kind of touched on, but, but the first one is we need it. I mean, we, we need, we need that. We need it out there. We need to be going there. We need to know that that's, that that's where we're going. Suffering is a part of our existence it, it, uh, here, but it wasn't intended to be. You know, we encounter suffering. We encounter things that, that, that happen that are, that are terrible. And, uh, and we become so accustomed to it that we look at it and we just go, well, you know, that's unfortunate. And I mean, if it happens to us, it's, it's more than unfortunate. But we see it in the world and it's going, you know, that, that's unfortunate. But that's just part of life. My best friend in high school, Hank, called me up a couple of weeks ago and uh, was telling me that, that his wife, Rita, who also I, I knew pretty well in high school, we all graduated together, uh, and, and Rita is just this vivacious, full of life woman. She's the kind of, kind of person who brings people together, the kind of person who, uh, uh, who makes things happen in a good way uh, whenever groups of people are together. Uh, but he called up and said, Rita's near death, Ronnie. Nobody, nobody had, they just hadn't said anything about it. She's had cancer for three years. And, uh, you know, she's near death. Will you go see her? Well, of course I'll go see her. And, you know, and that's, that's awful, but that's, that's how it is here, isn't it? That's how it is here. But that's not, that isn't how it was. When the fall 
of man occurred over in, over in Genesis in chapter 3. And, and let, let me just say this. Don't, don't get distracted in the early chapter of Genesis by the wrong questions. You know, we, 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 we look at the Bible sometimes and we focus on the wrong questions to the, to the extent that we don't even know what the right questions are. You know, and so oftentimes people will look at, at Genesis, uh, especially those early chapters, and they'll go, you believe Adam and Eve are real people. That's not the question. I believe Adam and Eve are real people, but I'll tell you what else I believe. I believe it's possible to believe that Adam and Eve are real people and go to hell. Oh, that was good. <laughs> and, and I believe that it's possible to go, well, I don't know if they were real people or not, and go to heaven. Because that's not the question that's on the test, you know? And so what we do is we tend to focus on that and not go, what is this saying to us? What is the truth that this is conveying to us that, that we need? And one of the things that's being conveyed in, in that story is that on the, on the day that we fell, something really bad happened. There was a sea change. Life was no longer the same after that as it had been before that. Something entered the world that had never been here before. It was called death. Over in Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sin. Prior to that, death was apparently didn't have a place in this world. At all. You mean nothing died? I can't imagine that. Well, of course you can't. Because that's not how it is now. But that's how it was then. Then in Romans 8, it wasn't just us. It says, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Now, you see, when, when, when the fall occurred, when, when that took place, uh, God decided, uh, I'm going to have to dial it all back. Because, and you know, I don't, the scripture doesn't come right out and say this, but sure makes a lot of sense to me, so I'm, I'm pretty sure it's true. Fallen people can't live in a perfect world. It just can't, that, that, that won't work. Yeah. And so the entire creation was dialed back. The entire creation became subject to what we made it subject to in hope but that one day this is all going to get flipped around. And it is because not only is the way that it is now not like it was, it's not like it's, not like it's going to be. I, Isaiah, Isaiah says he will swallow up death forever. You know, that, that intruder who, uh, who wasn't supposed to be here in the first place is going to be expelled. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from the earth. The Lord has spoken. And when, when, we, uh, when we look at that passage, we tend to focus on the, uh, all tears being gone. And that's, you know, that's great. That's, uh, that's, that's really wonderful. Uh, it'd be nice for all tears to be gone, at least... You know, all except for the tears of joy uh, that can come. You know, tears, tears can sing. Joy sheds tears. Uh, 
This, that reminds me, by the way, this, uh, uh, this, this weekend will be the last opportunity to come and see uh, Smoke on the Mountain. It's really good. And there's a lot of old songs in there, and, uh, and, and they're really good ones, and the way they do it's really terrific. And one of them is No Tears in Heaven. You know, and that's, you know, that's really something that we can get excited about. But stop and consider something else it says there. No disgrace. Can you imagine living in a world? Have you ever done something just stupid? Aren't you proud of it? No, of course not. Because it's it's disgraceful. And you know, and there there are times in there are times in my life that I can look back on and go, oh my, what was I thinking? You know. Surely that wasn't me. That was, that was somebody else. No disgrace. Wipe away all of the disgrace. Wow, what a, what a place to live. And then, and then over in, in Revelation uh, 21.4, he will wipe away the tears from their eyes. You know, that's, that's, that's a big theme. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will have passed away. What we are living in right now is the old order. It is, is an order that's moving. It's not the oldest order. It's the, it's the old order that is going to be replaced by a new order, which can be called a promised land. And in this old order, even when things are good, they're not necessarily all that hot because they're just not going to stay that way. Peter, Peter says, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Life in, in, in this order, life in this fallen world can be summed up in one word, corruption. And I don't mean crooked politicians, I mean rot. I mean it going bad. <clears throat> couple of pictures to kind of demonstrate. They're the same two guys in both of these pictures. One of them has, you know, grown and gotten a lot better. One has aged like a fine wine. You found that funny, did you? The alternatives aren't really good. Yeah, aging like a fine wine's about it. And the one that has gotten bigger and... and, and He's going to do that too, Lord willing. That'll be, that'll be his, his destiny. We can rail against it, but in, in this life, joy is fleeting. Can you hold on to it? Beauty is fleeting. Strength is fleeting. Youth is fleeting. Victory is fleeting. Riches, <laughs> riches are fleeting. A lot of your riches fled this last Friday. At least they will when the bill comes in on it. And something inside of us, something deep inside screams, that's just not right. That isn't how it's supposed to be. It's because that isn't how it's supposed to be. That's that's not what God has prepared for us. So, one thing, we need promised land. Second thing, we're not alone on the journey. This, is, this isn't, this isn't a, a journey. They, uh, 
the passage that we read, they were all commended for their faith. And boy, did they, did they go through some stuff. Yet, none of them received what had been promised yet. And why had they not received it? Because God had planned something better for us so that together, together, we be now you'll stand individually before God, but this business of going to the promised land, that, that is a that is a joint, that's a group venture. Uh, when the children of Israel went into the literal promised land in the Old Testament, who went in first? Who was the first into the promised land? You're right. We don't know who it was. Uh, the priest went and stood in the middle of the of the Jordan River. But they, didn't, they weren't going into the promised land just yet. They had to wait for two million people to pass by. That probably took a little more than 15 minutes. We don't know if Joshua maybe, you know, was leading the parade. But I, I got a feeling that more likely he was on the other side going, no, no, over here. No, that's the way you go. Go that way. Yeah. We have no idea who went in. They all went in together. Some had been allowed to go in previously and spy out the land, but they couldn't stay there. Moses had seen the land, but he wasn't even allowed to go in. They didn't go in until they all went in. It's a, it's a, it's a joint thing. Abraham, who, who lived literally in the, the literal promised land, the land of promise, uh, here on earth, but, that, but that, was just a, that was just a type. That wasn't, that wasn't what he was looking for. In fact, it says earlier in in this chapter that we were reading today, that uh, he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. He was looking for a city where we'll never die. I don't, my voice has changed. Uh, and that's, that's, what, that's what he was doing. Now, if you go back even a little further into the 10th chapter, there is the verse that I hated the most in all of the Bible when I was a child. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the last one of these three verses here. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You say, now why did you hate that verse? Because that was always my dad's answer to why do we have to go to church so much? And, you know, we didn't, let me, let me just, you know, we, we went on Sunday morning, we went on Sunday night, we went on Wednesday night. If there was a youth rally, we went on Friday night. And then about three times a year, we'd have a revival, which meant somebody besides my dad would preach, and we'd go every night of the week. And revivals always, they were always kind of a, they were a dilemma for me. Because, you know, I wanted them to be good, but not too good. (laughs) Because if they were too good, then come Friday night, we would be likely to hear, how many of you folks would, would like to go another way? Brother Jones has done a fine job, hasn't he? How many of you folks would like to go another way? Stand up. You know, and I'm sitting there going, do children have to vote? Yeah. 
But I knew once it was, you know, how many of you, I knew, oh, we're, okay. You know, we're in it for another week. All right. The Bible doesn't say how often we should go to church, all right? You know, I, I, somehow this argument never worked on my dad. But uh, I, I believe once a week's a minimum. See, our lives, for as long as mankind can remember, have been structured around a, a seven-day block. What's up with that? I mean, ten, okay, I can understand. Seven? I mean, ten times tables, that's, a, that's easy. That's the first one you learn. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. See, I can count 100 faster than you can, you know. Uh, but seven times table, you know, 7, 14, 21, 28. Okay, yeah, smart aleck. Uh, yeah, I, I could actually do it pretty fast, but, you know, I'm seven. What's up with that? That's the way, that's, that's how we're geared. That's, that's, that's how we're wired. That's, that's the way, basically, that our, that our lives flow, the way, that, the way that they're put together. And, you know, those, those who say you don't really need the fellowship of the saints are just wrong. They're just wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing right about that whatsoever. You, you do need the fellowship of the saints. And, and, you know, we have a tendency to kind of go, well, you know, I've really got to get this done this weekend, and I can't do it on Saturday because of the game. So, you know, I guess the only way I can do it's on Sunday. Oh, I hope that nails somebody. <laughs> I told the early service when I say mean, mean things to you, it's just because it's fun. But... Uh, <laughs> But but actually, it's kind of it's you know it's coming back at me as well. But I mean that that seriously, that's that's the attitude that we have. Yeah, if something's got to go, oh well, that that can go. That's the most important thing in your week. It's the most important thing. You know, I'm not saying you have to come together. You know, uh, three times a week or five times a week, but. Once a week, just once, it needs, it needs to be a priority. And, you know, well, the church has faults, man. I mean, you know, I've been, I've been burned at some churches. America's got faults. Want to choose another country? Walmart's got faults. And a lot of you would have an easier time leaving America or your church than leaving Walmart. Because the prices are best there. And that wasn't a mean thing. It's just a thing, you know, <clears throat> I just said. Uh, and here's the deal. When we, when we come to church, we, we come with this attitude of, oh, I like the music. You know, or, oh, I like the sing. You know, this, this one scratches me where I itch. I, I like this one. You know, well, you may itch a different place next month. But, you know, that, that's kind of how it is. That's not what it's about at all. It says, let us consider, let us spend some time thinking about how we may encourage one another when we come together. That's what we're supposed to do. Can can you help? And all the more as you see the day approaching. 
It, it, you know, it's not just, a, well, let me, let, me see, see what I, let me see what I feel like having today. Because I know this one's got the great worship, and this one's got the great uh, uh, preaching, and this one's got uh, a short service, and this one's got, uh, you know, they, they might cast out some demons there. What, what, what do I feel like today? That's not going to church. That's not what church is. You know, let, let, us, let us consider. You don't just come together for you to be encouraged. You come together to encourage others. And you need roots. Because how can you know how to encourage somebody if you don't know them? You need to know some people. You need, you need to meet some people you're on this journey with. And let them into your life and get into their life. So that God can use you. You know, it, it, this, is, this is, isn't just all about, oh, well, if God wants to use me, he'll go, oh, okay. I know, I, I know you don't know me, uh, Joan, but let me read your mail. You know, uh-uh. No, it, it's about knowing people and going on a journey with them to a place called the promised land. You see, this is how we hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Unswervingly. We, we, we aren't a believer like this. You know, it's unswervingly. This is how we do that. For he who promised is faithful. And that's the third point. First point is we need to promise land. The second point, it, it, is, a, it is a corporate journey. The third point is we can trust the person who made the promise. See, it, it's the promised land because somebody promised it. And the one who promised it is faithful. Can he be trusted? Numbers uh, says God is not human that he should lie. And actually the literal words there is God is not a man that he should lie. And if we were Going by a literal translation, I'm sure that most of the women in here would go, amen. (laughs) But we've all got that issue, regardless of gender. But God isn't that way. In Titus, Paul wrote to Titus and said, the hope of eternal life which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. His promises are are true, they're sure. In fact, You know, this is a verse that through songs, maybe you at least know the sense of it. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And through him we say, let it be. That's that's what we want. The promise that he has made. All his promises are yes and amen. He provides the yes, we provide the amen. He is the great I am, the one fixed point, the one unchanging point in this old order in which we are living that will soon be passing away. Calling us together to the promised land. Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to pray with people come forward this morning? And if you're here and you need prayer, these are people who are on that journey with you. 
is the, these are people who have roots and they may know you they may not but they, they they're, they're connected and they want they want to be able to encourage you and pray with you if you don't need to come worship with us for a few moments encourage those who do need to come